you think that you published a book Said it's not a big deal, all you need is a hook Then you lie about your age so you don't seem dated A call from your agent and boom, you made it So sorry we think you're a liar, we're older and wiser Hello everyone and welcome to Older and Wiser a podcast about all things publishing in Younger. I'm your host, Marissa Cantor, and with me, as always, is Kelsey Rodkey. Hey, Kelsey. Hi, Marissa. How are you? I am doing well, and I'm very excited that once again, we have a wonderful guest with us on the podcast today. We do. We have our mutual friend and amazing author, Annette Christie, here today. Annette is a Canadian-American hybrid with a BFA in theater and a history of very odd jobs. She's had articles featured in various publications, including Hello Giggles and The Guardian, and the back of her head is featured prominently in the film Mean Girls. She currently resides in Alberta with her husband and two children. Her first adult book is called The Rehearsals, and it will be out in July of 2021. Annette, hello. Hello. It's so nice to be here with you two. We're so excited. We've literally talked about you in probably two or three episodes prior to this. So <laughs> really big building up. up that suspense. <laughs> yes, yeah, so don't screw up. <laughs> I will try my hardest. You know what? Well, okay, first of all, I would come here to talk with you two about anything. But Younger holds a special place in my heart right now because I watched it for the first time at the beginning of the pandemic and it got me through. But also, here's a little fun fact. I was in the middle of an episode wishing to myself to get an offer on the rehearsals when my first offer on the rehearsals came. So it feels like a good luck show for me. I love that so much. Me too. Oh my gosh, that is so that is so lovely. That makes this show feel like so much more important than it actually is. (laughs) (laughs) Even though they get almost everything wrong in publishing, they brought me publishing good luck. (laughs) Yes. You're being far too generous for them. I truly (laughs) am. (laughs) Okay. Marissa, did you want to give the episode description? I do, but we need to know what Annette is reading first. Oh, yeah. My bad. I mean, I always have several books on the go, but I just finished Sunny Song Will Never Be Famous by Suzanne Park, which I think comes out June 1st. And um, it's a young adult contemporary novel about this rising YouTube star who gets sent off to this farm where she has to detox from technology. It's so funny and charming and really has a lot of interesting things to say about our relationships with the internet. So highly recommend. I'm actually going to be buying copies for my kids when it comes out. So that's what I'm reading. That sounds very much like a 2021 version of the Hannah Montana movie. (laughs) I've never seen it, you guys. I was too old for Hannah Montana. Like, I sort of missed it. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like I should go back and connect with it because... Yeah. It's like um, Miley has to take a detox from Hannah because she gets too absorbed in that lifestyle. (laughs) Amazing. So now I feel like I have to buy that book. That's so funny. I was also thinking of the uh, uh, the Disney Channel original movie Cowbells with Allie and AJ, which is also a similar a similar premise. I don't know if Kelsey, you're looking at me like that. This was past your time. <laughs> it must have been. I've never heard of this one in my life. No, they're like. But it sounds like something we should watch. Well, that movie Obviously. was kind of like a rip of um 
like Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie's show. And oh, yes, The Simple Life. Yes. Yeah. So the movie kind of played off of that, where these two really rich girls had to go like live on a farm and just detox from celebrity culture. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that one out. You said it's called Cowbells. Cowbells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. Annette, you have a history of a job in which you had a cowbell to wear as a uniform, right? <laughs> okay. I actually fully expected you to put that picture up on Instagram. So I was relieved when I saw the mean girl shot. Yes, I was <laughs> the mascot for Nestle's Skinny Cow Ice Cream. So I wore a, and I quote, sexy cow costume. Like big lips, curves, cinched at the waist, and I gave out ice cream coupons, and it was great. Oh my I gosh, love that. Annette! I just want this podcast to be about you. Like I just want, I just, I just want like, <laughs> but I've already fill- told you how special Younger is <laughs> to me. <laughs> we could fill an entire just normal podcast about Annette. Each episode would be something different. Like we didn't even talk about the fact that you're in Mean Girls. <laughs> I the am. back of your head is definitely yes. featured prominently in Mean Girls. When you it told is. me that and told me the scene that it was, I knew instantly which one you were. <laughs> which is hilarious because we've never actually met in person, but you're like, I know her so well. That's the back of her head. <laughs> I've never even seen a picture of the back of your head. <laughs> but I was like, oh, yeah, that's Annette. But um, yeah, you said there was that was a long, a long shoot. Very, very long. So long that they asked us to come back the next day if we come back and do more crowd scenes. And most of us said, no, thank you. But if I had known what Mean Girls would become, you don't really get a sense of what the movie is because you're far away from all the stars and you can't hear a lot of the dialogue. If I had known, I would for sure have gone back for another day. But alas, this will be your legacy. (laughs) This will be my legacy. The back of my head and exchanging smiles with Tim Meadows. Yes, exactly. Um, Marissa, are you reading anything good lately? Um, So I'm a little bit between books right now, but I am super excited to read the rehearsals by Annette Christie um, (laughs) now that I've sort of finagled my way into receiving a copy. (laughs) I will 100% mail you a copy this week. Uh, It's happening. Thank you. I am not subtle at all. I think I've been talking about this with Kelsey for weeks, too. I was like, when Annette's on, I'm going to (laughs) tell her I want her books. (laughs) I do that, too. You hint heavily or you just outright ask, and sometimes you get copies. So thank you for having a copy to spare. I'm super flattered you want to read it because I'm a fan of yours. Thank you. No, I I am trash for time loop books and like the time loop concept in general. So I am all in. I'm all in. Kelsey, what about you? I am hoping to start Happily Ever Afters by Elise Bryant sometime soon. Um, I've been drafting my own young adult contemporary romance, so I can't really read in that genre. But I've had her book since uh, late January, and it just keeps like lovingly looking at me from the bookshelf and I keep telling it soon soon so I think it'll be your reward (laughs) yes I'm really excited about that one what a pretty cover to look at in the meantime oh yeah it's dreamy (laughs) cool so I guess we should just jump in and start talking about younger what we are here to talk about not Annette's life unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) 
And I'm glad that we have a lot to talk about in this episode. Kelsey, you did a good job scheduling because we have seemed to always land on episodes that have a lot of publishing content when we have a guest, which is perfect. Yeah, the the even number episodes tend to be (laughs) less about publishing and more about the characters we found so far. Oh, interesting. It worked out well, I think, especially to have you on this episode to talk about that party scene and things like that. Yeah, the book launch. (laughs) You know I have things to say about that. Yes. So we'll just dive in. Yeah. So today we are going to be talking about season one, episode six, Shedonism. In this episode, Liza gets to prove herself when Diana tasks her with running a book launch party for a notoriously demanding author. Maggie runs into an old crush who's finally single while Kelsey starts to fall for her new author who's not. <laughs> I love I'm it. already shaking my head that Anton storyline makes me mad. <laughs> but it's yes, awful. it's so bad. And you know, I there is no character that is more unappealing than Thad, but in this episode I'm like, what about Thad? <laughs> <laughs> I know when Thad's looking good, things are dire. <laughs> Someone has to look out for the Thads of the world, Marissa. I'm glad it's you. <laughs> it's truly rough. It's a low point, honestly. And honestly, because we don't know what Anton's book is about, we don't understand why Kelsey likes him. <laughs> also, at this point, I don't think we've really verified that Kelsey is good at her job. Not at all. She she even told him, there are better editors. <laughs> it seems like every episode she is royally screwing up. But like making out with her married author is just the peak. Yeah, it's it's a rough episode for Kelsey. It's a rough episode for a lot of characters. Including Liza, who has to hear from her boyfriend, <laughs> I want CrossFit to be our thing. I'm yeah. telling you, like, I love... Gosh, he is so hot and sweet. But if he said that to me, I'd be like, I'm out. No, same. That that is like the first questionable thing that Josh says in the series because we love to call Josh our unproblematic himbo hero. But now he he wants Liza, his girlfriend, to also be his CrossFit buddy. Like the insinuation that Liza <laughs> needs to exercise at all it's just like truly <laughs> wild there's that definitely i saw it kind of as their relationship becoming more serious and if that wasn't supposed to be the cue that we were given um they kind of failed but you know working out with a significant other is like very intimate uh That's you're seeing true. each other vulnerable and sweaty and struggling it feels like something you do with someone that you've been with for a while so I like that Josh wanted to do that but it does feel early for that (laughs) it does yeah no I I take your point that that really is an indication that he's serious about her and she's not just a flavor of the month that is and now that you mention it like I guess my husband and I did start working out together when we got serious so I wasn't self-conscious when he saw me get pinned by the bar because I'm not strong what that that the moment in the beginning of this episode reminded me of is when that Peloton commercial was just like dragged through the mud when 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> when that, like, guy got his girlfriend a Peloton for Christmas. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you felt like this was kind of more of a shamey thing than, like, a I want to share this with you thing. Like, I do and I don't. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. That was what it reminded me of. Because, I get again, I felt like it was too early in the relationship for it to be going to that place. And I don't feel like CrossFit is really something that I mean, okay, I've never done CrossFit, but if he had been like, you know, we should start jogging together, right. that to me is a little more intimate, couple but to just throw her into CrossFit, I, but again, he's young. I mean, that is not a beginner thing. And that is the one thing that Sam and I do do occasionally is we will go on a, on a cute little, you know, maybe one mile jog, <laughs> like call it, <laughs> call it a day. I think the relationship I was more invested in this episode was between Diana Trout and Annabelle. That was endlessly fascinating to me. In fact, I think I would watch a spinoff show about those two. Yes, they're completely, they just contrast each other so vividly that I would love to know just how it came about. Me too. And this is really, this is where I start kind of loving Diana Trout. In the beginning, she's pretty one note, but we start to see a lot more layers to her. And I enjoyed that. Yeah. And I also totally forgot that Jane Krakowski even makes an appearance in Younger. So that was such a pleasant surprise. Oh, I'm happy anytime she comes up on my screen. Yes. But I agree with you that that really was such a fascinating relationship to see and to unpack. The way that that sort of mirrored what was going on with Liza and her ex-husband, too. I thought that that all tied together really nicely. And Liza and Kelsey, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that, too. See, this is a great example of how you can include publishing in with, like, a character-heavy episode. Like, we don't always need those filler episodes like the previous one. <laughs> there can be publishing within this world where the the characters have some growth and um i think pointing out how the diana and oh what's her name annabelle annabelle yeah. oh annabelle how diana and annabelle um kind of like mirror everybody else's relationships pretty well and i like again that liza learned something from diana yeah me too especially in relation to her dirtbag husband <laughs> yes I know. They really don't even throw him a bone ever. And I love it. Like they just. (laughs) Yeah, they don't try to redeem him. No, like even like at the end of that diner scene where he's like, do you have a dollar? I was just like, (laughs) David. (laughs) No, no worries. I got it. Do you have a dollar? (laughs) Although he had great arm hair in that scene. (laughs) I was the only one who noticed that. Okay, yeah, you're you're the only arm hair aficionado in this. Okay. But group this right is now. what it is about arm hair for me is when you like. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any pets in my house because my husband's highly allergic. So if you just like kind of comb the arm hair, it's like a therapy animal. I find it very soothing. I respect that. I, I late though. <laughs> Okay, I have a question for you, too. Um, so when we're talking about Annabelle's book titles, which were amazing, like Shedonism, where we got the name of the episode, there's also Mantastic and Goldman Sex. And so as my gift to you for inviting me onto this podcast, I annabelle the title of your books. Oh, my oh God. My God. <laughs> <laughs> so, if Annabelle had written... <laughs> 
Kelsey's book, I believe it would have been called You've Got Female. (laughs) (laughs) And if Annabelle had written Marissa's book, it would be called What I Like About Boobs. (laughs) That's my gift to you. Brilliant. Thank you so much. No, my pleasure. (laughs) I'm sorry, but every guest now has to have a present for us. (laughs) I think that's fair. That was beautiful. I couldn't have come up with that myself. See, I was thinking last chance boobs. Oh, that's good too. (laughs) I like that too. But yours does sound more like it would be Annabelle's kind of book. Oh my goodness. I just feel like I need a moment for that to settle. (laughs) You process. (laughs) So do we want to talk about the um, Liza and David relationship in this episode? Because I'm honestly very curious as to how she bailed on a lunch with Kelsey in Manhattan, went back to Brooklyn, <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> she no, but even even worse, she went back to Brooklyn to change into her like mom clothes. Oh, oh, hold on, that brings <laughs> up one of my favorite things about Liza is Superman when he's Clark Kent puts on his glasses. She Liza, when she's forty, puts her hair in a bun, and it's like, whoop, she's forty. <laughs> Yes, perfect. But yeah, so she she somehow makes it to New Jersey after going from Manhattan to Brooklyn and then Jersey and then back to Manhattan for, a, we assume, the rest of her work day. You know, all for David. She could have done a phone call. She didn't even stay for her coffee that she had to pay for. <laughs> it was about, she didn't get lunch is, that day, which always worries no, me. Yeah, and um, I just, I, I can understand that um, an ex-husband might have some kind of like emotional hold over her, but we never get to see it. So it's kind of like you went through all that for that. I think that's a really good point. I mean, if there had been something, was this about the boat? Was this what really pulled her back in? Because I think we needed something a little more substantial to justify that choice yeah yeah I agree with you because then at the end she was like ready to let the boat go which symbolism whatever but yeah and and the thing was he lost the boat through his gambling I think and so what he transfers the title to Liza and so then they can't take his boat (laughs) Who did he lose the boat to in gambling, for starters? And are are they going to come after Liza then because she has the boat? There were I had so many questions, and I just felt like I I was so relieved when Liza chose not to enable him and to kind of cut off this relationship as much as she could in that moment, thanks to you know what she saw from Diana. I just think David is just awful he's a trash bag yeah and if we're supposed to understand that liza has this connection with him other than just her daughter um i feel like we need to see him interacting with the daughter i think we need to know why they liked each other to start with yeah she does say in a previous episode that he started out as a poet and you know kind of turned into a different person along the way but if we could have seen something about like the poet david in this episode i think we could have understood that pull a little more. Have you guys noticed that the daughter sort of looks like Orion de Somme? That is who <laughs> yes. I think you just blew Kelsey's mind. <laughs> Every time she comes she on does. the screen, I'm like, oh she's so cute. And then I'm like, oh she's Orion. <laughs> I yeah, no, when she came on the screen in this episode, I was like, who does she look like? Like I was trying to think of another actress, but yeah, it's Orion. 
Yeah. Brilliant. Um, Marissa, did you have any thoughts about David? I just agree, echoing. I mean, the only thing we really get from Liza is when she she's kind of like describing this old feeling that resurfaces of wanting to take care of him. But like we just don't understand at this point where that feeling is even coming from. So it's hard to it's hard to understand. That might be the motherly instinct. And, you know, you don't want to have to mother your partner. Right. Because we do see her mothering Kelsey and mothering her daughter. Yeah, and Kelsey even tells her in this episode, like, you don't need to mom me. Yeah. But someone does because Kelsey's Someone needs out to of mom control. Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> she makes bad choices time and time again. Where is Kelsey's real mother? <laughs> Truly. Um, let me see. Are there any other relationships to talk about? I do think it's important to – this kind of meshes with the publishing part, but Josh and Liza have that conversation about um, Annabelle. Like, why is this woman in her 40s acting like she's yeah. in her 20s? And Liza is kind of faced with, like, that guilt and shame about lying to Josh about it and about doing this thing that he clearly thinks is so ridiculous. And I like that she's being confronted with that and choosing still to <laughs> – stick with the lie (laughs) i don't understand like i would not be able to go through it's one thing to lie to people at work but you she has this intimate relationship with him and as they get closer and closer i i just i can't imagine keeping something so substantial from a partner i mean as we all know it is not gonna it's not gonna go well (laughs) or it's gonna be a very (laughs) short-term lie (laughs) a short-term lie that's good yeah I can also see, like, as a 40-year-old, the insecurity of my boyfriend's going to suddenly be grossed out by me, you know, because of my age. So, I mean, there's that side of it, too. Yeah, I think Liza is kind of a very sympathetic character. Like, you you root for her, but you also want to mom her and tell her, just be yourself, honey. (laughs) (laughs) You're lovable how you are. Yeah, I mean, she's the whole reason the show works and like as someone who has written a story about like with a similar premise of a character who is keeping a lie it is really hard to like navigate that balance of keeping the character sympathetic when you just want to shake them the whole time and be like just tell the truth so props to the writers because we really we really are along with Liza at this point and we're invested Especially since she and Diana seem to be the entire marketing department. And that is just a really big burden to shoulder. Oh, my gosh. So that segues nicely into the (laughs) chaos that was publishing. The first thing that I have a lot of feelings about is the way that this show just completely conflated marketing with publicity. Like, Right. As someone who has worked in publicity and... With the understanding that a lot of people don't understand what the difference between marketing and publicity is, this is why. Like, like because because of <laughs> content like this, I was dying a little bit inside. I mean, we have this uh, book launch for Annabelle, which is apparently being changed the day before it is going to <laughs> happen. Um, and Liza, because she's just so um, in tune with the youth and what's uh the, what she call them the cuspers <laughs> she's, she's so in tune with the cuspers that she's gonna plan um a whole brand new book launch party um in one day and surprising 
to myself, it's not at a bookstore. <laughs> Have um, either of you ever been to a book launch that wasn't at a bookstore? I mean, I've heard of book launches like there have been. I I know they've had dinners for authors. They're really trying to push and promote. But no, because that's that's more of an internal thing, right? Like this party would be more of an internal thing, which it kind of seems like it is because there's a guest list. But to call this a book launch is a little ridiculous. I'm not sure I even saw a book at the party. I was just going to say my favorite thing about the book launch is the complete lack of books, but there are peacocks. (laughs) Yes, they have the peacocks at the very least. I've been to launches where it starts at a bookstore and then you can take the party elsewhere after. That's the closest I can relate. But I wonder it, I wonder if Annabelle hadn't gotten wasted if she would have ended up at a bookstore afterwards. But it would have been so late by that point. That's true. <laughs> I just have so many questions just about about the book. And so Kelsey and I were talking about in episode five about how we never really understand or get any sense of what the books in the show are actually about. But this is our first like we get a log line here and I'm happy about it. It, it really because it tells you exactly who Annabelle Bancroft is like right off the bat. It does the characterizing characterization. What are words for her, which I loved. She's basically Samantha from Sex and the City. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Anton could learn from her. Um, Oh my gosh. Speaking of the book launch and Anton, there is that line where he's like trying to seduce Kelsey and show off how smart he is. And he's like quoting Fitzgerald saying, the mark of true intelligence is holding two opposing ideas in your head at once. And I'm sitting there thinking, he's describing cognitive dissonance. And isn't that like why people stay in cults? I don't know. He does seem like he would be a cult leader, honestly. (laughs) He does. Oh, he's just so douchey. Yeah, and Kelsey's like just, she's instantly sucked in. The fact that she was like, can I invite my one specific client whose launch party would be nothing like this one to this party so that he can see what his launch party would be like? (laughs) Right, (laughs) who's just like, like, they're not even comparable. They're two books. He even asks it like at the party, like, would my party be like this? Like, of course it wouldn't be like this. (laughs) It'd probably be at a bookstore. (laughs) Yeah, and Diana's like, sure, but Anton should not get used to the idea of champagne bottles wrapped in fur. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. But yeah, Annabelle gets some major publicity hits, though. I mean, she's on Andy Cohen. She's on... You know, Kathy Lee and Hoda. Um, Anderson Cooper is coming to her party. Like, where was that cameo? That was the cameo I was waiting oh, for. <laughs> <laughs> but Paris Hilton turned down the invite. I was just going to say I wanted to see Paris Hilton decide to come to the party anyways. <laughs> yeah. And and so speaking of the party, Annette, you you have some insider tips about that, how they film scenes where there might be music playing or yeah something like that i'm always so distracted by scenes like this because most of the time they're filmed at like nine o'clock in the morning simply because that's when the club's not open and it's not going to interfere with business or anything so i'm you know picturing them all at 9 a.m i had to i was in a crowd scene for this joey lawrence disney movie i can't remember (laughs) what it's called i think i think the name changed anyway so we're supposed to be dancing at this club and it's 9 a.m and they start 
started playing J-Lo. So we're all dancing to that. But the music they used later was not J-Lo. And so it looked like none of us had rhythm. (laughs) See, I always like not that specific scenario, but the scenario in which people are dancing to no music in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all just pick a beat. (laughs) Yeah. And you can tell they're not all listening to the same thing in their head. And in this book launch scene, there's a lot of people, you know, having conversations in the background uh can you tell us are they just miming words um it depends who you're with because you the fun thing about doing background work is you're stuck with each other for sometimes up to 17 18 hours in one day you become best friends really fast and so i did one background it was in a nick nolte movie I feel like it was nominated for an award. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, I got cut out of the I'm shot, sorry, so wait, it doesn't matter. You're an award-winning actress? <laughs> I was cut out of the shot, Kelsey. Uh, but it's in a hospital, and Nick Nolte, whom I was told not to make eye contact with, is like over here doing a scene. And I'm in the back with this old British man. That he's who I've been partnered with. And he's trying his best to make me laugh the entire time. So he's creating this scenario of like these weird medical procedures they had to do in this hospital and I have to keep a straight face the entire time but yeah usually you're sitting there trying to make each other laugh or having little conversations but yeah it's it's fun and it's boring and I miss it but also I it was I made minimum wage for that job at the time it was like nine bucks an hour so there are things I don't miss about it would you be hired for a publishing party to be in the background talking about nothing for (laughs) sure yeah, they okay. tell you. They're like, come tomorrow, wear a little black dress and full makeup and be ready. Pretend you like the book Sheedonism. <laughs> Even though it will not be featured anywhere in any scenes. <laughs> yes. I know. You would think that there would have at least been like one of those big poster board type like things that you would think there'd be some representation of the book, but they just like did not even try at all. (laughs) But I mean, in Liza's defense, this was the first party she had to plan. So maybe she dropped the ball. Can you imagine that in real life? Like you get there and you're like, where's the books? (laughs) (laughs) And isn't the point of this to sell books? Yeah. You would think so. Why is there a peacock on the bar? There's a guest list though, which is also bizarre to me because like you said, you want people to come in and buy the books. There's no books. There's a, you can't come in. Not if you're the Coke dealer. Coke dealer, (laughs) come in. (laughs) It's really limiting the audience here. Yeah, they were more concerned about making sure that people were tweeting about the party than they were about selling books. And why would you tweet about the party if they can't come to it? (laughs) This doesn't make much sense, but I guess that's what you get when you let a marketing assistant do the book launch party instead of, you know, the whole publicity department. I'm pretty convinced that Empirical does not have a publicity department. (laughs) We've never seen any of them anywhere i don't know that word (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that was a lot to put on liza an incredible amount of pressure and like an incredibly important seemingly important event i mean she for what it's worth she did her best a party happened it did 
And it was memorable. Her boyfriend got briefly molested by the author, which made me cringe. God, that was so uncomfy. It's so uncomfy. Yeah, I was just like, why is this happening? And I appreciate later that he was like, it was fun visiting you at work. Like, that's not (laughs) work. work. (laughs) And what part was fun when she almost had her hand down your pants? I know. He's very supportive. We love a supportive boyfriend. (laughs) We do. Yeah. It's so wild, though, to think that, like, they got away with it because if the genders were flipped, it just, like, that would not happen and that would get, that would be immediate backlash, right? Like, that would just mm-hmm. not work. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, because it's it's part of a storyline. I can't remember whether it's this, se- this uh, season or later seasons. We do get a little bit with an author getting handsy with Liza and it's, yeah. the tone of it is very, very different. But yeah, I just winced through that scene. I also wanted to shout out, this doesn't have anything to do with publishing, but she was at the party. So we got another great cameo in this episode. Renee Elise Goldsberry is Maggie's friend. Yes. Also, Maggie looks really hot at the party. She does. I have to say. I do love the scene where she asks her out and then she stands up and she's fully pregnant. (laughs) When I was pregnant I was slightly bonkers I was convinced people were hitting on me like my parents <laughs> were getting their house renovated and their contractor I'm like dude he is so into me and my husband's like you are eight months pregnant and I am very attracted to you but I don't think the contractor is right now I'm like you should have seen the way he was looking at me and now I feel vindicated because Maggie was hot for a pregnant lady And I think that's a great twist because when she stands up and and Maggie's like stunned by it, you're like, oh, she's out. But then she goes up to Liza later and is like, we're leaving. It's going to be a great time. Pregnancy boobs are resplendent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was a a nice little twist. It makes me like Maggie even more. Yes, me too. She is one of my favorites. I would live with Maggie in a hot second. I could see that. I feel like you and Maggie (laughs) probably were friends. Do we want to talk about the Kelsey drama with being caught? Yes. Oh, uh, Kelsey getting caught with the Swede, but then also uh, Liza and her hands. And her hands. Oh, I Annabelle. love that line. That's like the first time that Liza is like rightfully caught out. Called right. out. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. Just a slight diversion. My favorite line of the episode, though, also comes from Annabelle when she says, I still have my underwear on. This was a terrible party. Just because I think Jane Krakowski, she makes every line hilarious to me. I do like when we get hints along the way that not everybody is buying this act that Liza's putting on. Yeah. And and for that um, reflection of, you know, Josh talking about how she's a 40 year old acting like a 20 year old, you know, for her to recognize that in Liza is really kind of a brilliant uh, plot like twist that too. in a way. Yeah, agreed. But um, as for Kelsey and the Swede, and the they're Swede. not even trying to hide it. <laughs> <laughs> they're just outside kissing on each other. And um, I agree with Liza for she should say something. That's gross. It's so unprofessional. It's so I mean, it's just yeah. never mind personally what it does to Kelsey, it's just such a bad look for their whole company. And that's her first author. Right. Why would she take that risk? Again, is Kelsey bad at her job? She's also bad at picking men. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
and I want her to be good at her job, which is like the most frustrating part in all of this. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes, she is this young up and coming supposed talent. And yeah, you really want her to be incredible at her job. You can't really even root for her. She, She doesn't do much to redeem herself. And I mean, not that it's like 100% her fault or anything. Obviously, he's really gross. (laughs) He's got a wife and he's hitting on this young, attractive editor. You know, he could have gone with Knopf, but he went with Kelsey (laughs) um, because she was vulnerable and she was essentially begging him to be her client. Like there's a gross power dynamic there, but Kelsey, when she's approached about it, she tells Eliza to buzz off uh she's just not receptive at all i do wonder if part of this as the overall arc if we're standing back and looking at it if it's to balance out the huge betrayal of liza spending so much time lying to kelsey and so we have to see that kelsey is hugely flawed too so their relationship is a little more balanced maybe that's why they're giving kelsey such terrible choices right now I think that that makes a lot of sense. Like when you take a step back from the immediacy of what we're seeing episode to episode, and we know the bigger picture because we have all seen the show before. Another thing that I wanted to shout out was um, Vine, the Vine that happens, <laughs> and the fact that Vine, we already have like dated tech in this, yes. in this show that's only like six years old, which is really sad. Although I do laugh every time she walks into the glass. That did. It's the second time that gets me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. Yeah. The first time you're like, oh. And then the second time you're like, uh, that was there smart. We <laughs> it's not a joke that many would make. So it's kind of, un- it's kind of surprising in its yeah. humor. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh, I did have one question when I was watching it, because I am a little bit older than you two. And so when Annabelle says her line about, um, I can't remember exactly what it is, but she says to Liza, you aren't one of those earnest millennials who's never tried a cigarette, are you? And I was thinking, because my generation, like, everybody smoked, but I feel like your generation, that wasn't as much a thing because you were much smarter. Is that like... Do you know a lot of people from your age group who did try smoking? Did you know a lot of smokers or is that a Gen X thing? That might be Gen X. It it might be the people we surrounded ourselves with, though. That's probably part of it, too. I was going to say. Because if you're you're not a smoker, you're not really hanging out with smokers. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I've never had a cigarette if that's... (laughs) I haven't if that either. Means anything. I haven't. Either. <laughs> oh, you two are earnest millennials. <laughs> earnest millennials. <laughs> Even my junior high had a designated door for the smokers, where the smokers, like the grade sevens or seventh graders, to you Americans. Wait, was that in Canada or in yeah the in Canada? What? Wow. Yes. Yes. I can't even imagine that even I, being well, a that thing. That is wonderful. That makes me really happy for your generation. But yeah, that was absolutely a thing. So when she said that line, I found it very, very interesting. That kind of just rocked my world. <laughs> I know. I mean, like high school is one thing, like when you can, seniors could buy cigarettes probably, yeah. but like middle school. No, yeah, cigarettes were not really a thing. I mean, like... I feel like our generation just went straight to weed. 
Oh, that's true. Like, yeah, I, I know a lot of <laughs> I know a lot, a lot of people of that do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a a good point. Yeah, I think it's kind of like um, our generation was more like, oh, smoking's bad for you, but you know, this is less bad for you. <laughs> I guess we're earnest millennials. I guess so. You are. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an endearing title. Oh, you're an earnest millennial. <laughs> Do we have any? I mean, I feel like a lot of our critiques sort of blended into the publishing section. But if there's anything else. I'd put Charles in it. <laughs> Where's Charles? Charles isn't in this episode. <laughs> we literally, and we talked about this in episode five, but we have talked more about Charles's absence on our podcast than Charles has been in the show up to this point. <laughs> well, it's funny it's... because on the when you're going through it, like he becomes this looming figure in the show. But when you go back to the rewatch, where does he start becoming this looming figure? I I can I ask if you guys are Team Josh or Team Charles? Josh. Okay, so the first time I watched it, I definitely. I think Peter Herman is hot, okay? Like, he's, like, yeah. my, like, older man, you are attractive to me thing. And Kelsey makes a face every time I say this, but I stand by it. And it's, like, I've always loved Josh, but I was definitely, like, okay, Charles and Liza's first kiss is just, like, it's it. I'm sorry. Agreed. <laughs> Where do you land? I, oh, man, I go back and forth. I think it's I hope you one day have Jess Dallow on the show because she has lots of thoughts on Charles. <laughs> I think by the end of most of my original watch through, I was team Charles. And part of that is simply because I feel like with Josh, she's living out this fantasy. But with Charles, you get to see really what a permanent relationship, romantic relationship in her life would look like. I will be interested because I am invested in rewatching it now all the way through. I will be interested if my feelings change this time around. But I think like slight preference for Team Charles. Yeah, I totally get that. And that's sort of where I landed too the first time is like this, this is what could be real. But then I started thinking more about, oh, but like he still thinks she's 26 and he's her boss. Yeah, and like, so like, yes. <laughs> It's messy. It's definitely messy. It reminds me a little bit of the Drew Barrymore movie, Never Been Kissed. Have you two seen it? Oh, yeah. It's because so Kelsey's sketchy making, now. It is so <laughs> sketchy. When it first came out, I didn't really think about how sketchy it was. But it's supposed to be okay that he finds himself attracted to her. Because really, he, the reason why he's attracted to her is some part of him knows that she's older, right? And it feels like they're trying to go for that same thing here. Yeah. But no, it's there's an ick factor for sure. I do think that one of the things this show does very well is playing at that love triangle in a way where you do feel invested in both relationships and you do kind of change your mind throughout of who really is makes her happy and who she would have the best life with. So that's that is one of the things I do think they they do best. Yeah, definitely because I mean right now at the beginning of season 1 again I'm like all in on Josh but like It'll be interesting to see if Kelsey and I are arguing about this a few seasons in. If I yes. like if I flip back. I'm always team Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Except isn't there someone else that she dates very briefly? 
Look, if you're going to bring up the Matthew Morrison thing, I will never recover from that storyline. Um, there there might have been someone else very briefly. And I feel like I liked him more than Charles, but maybe it's oh. just another show. But yeah, I'm, I'm always going to be Team Josh, so I will always be willing to argue with you, Marissa. I like that you each have a very definitive side. Yeah, I like that Marissa is um, changing sides during this rewatch like how she said she started as team charles but she's realizing she's team josh now (laughs) there's a lot to be said for the way josh just openly loves her the way she is and makes really no demands on her but on the other hand maybe this is just my personal preference but i think it's good to be in a relationship with someone who challenges you and pushes you a little bit and i think that charles does that more for her i don't know definitely but josh does some growing up over the season so absolutely yeah yeah he's a contender (laughs) he is he's so pretty we've talked about this a little bit as well but just the way that they now rewatching it and seeing how absent Charles is from the start really does lead me to believe going into the final season that Josh and Liza are going to be endgame. I didn't. So when I got to that last episode, I didn't know that they were filming another season and I kind of flipped out and started texting Jess. I'm like, but who does she end up with? And she's like, relax. We don't know. We don't know yet. (laughs) But I was very upset. I want answers. Yeah. Should we should we six figure advance? It's, what's six figure advance? Okay. So every episode we award our it's basically an MVP, our like our favorite character in the episode, a six figure advance because that's <laughs> what you get as an author in younger. <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> um and we are keeping track and there will be a winner at the end. So we all get to vote on who gets it this episode, or yes. do we all have to agree on someone? No, we each get a vote. We each okay, get to this declare. Is so fun. Kelsey, do you know? I am giving my six-figure advance to Liza because she actually learned something in this episode, and she tried to do the right thing with Kelsey and with her ex. She decided she wasn't going to enable him anymore. She rightfully used her mom powers for good with Kelsey, even though Kelsey did not. <laughs> She was not susceptible to it. Like, I'd love to give it to Annabelle for just being a messy queen. But <laughs> I, I do think Liza did some some good and respectable things in this episode. So I give it to Liza. Cool. I respect that. Um, I feel like we always have the same MVP. So I'm going to be different. And I'm going to give it to Diana in this episode. Um, oh, I think that she was kind of the source of Liza's growth arc. And I love just learning more about her and seeing, you know, the the beginning, you know, kernels of the queen that she evolves into over the course of the series. I do love Diana. I would like to award a six-figure advance to Maggie for going out there, getting up the courage to ask out her crush. And then when she sees her crush is pregnant with twins, says, hell yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> we love Maggie. <laughs> She's great. She's so good. Yes. I-, I approve of that because, you know, I love Diana and I love Maggie. So I love that they are getting some recognition on this episode, even I, though know, I, I, I couldn't do it myself. Div- yeah, they're all deserving. 
They're like, they would be like the best girl group. Like Kelsey, yes. Lauren, and that other girl, we don't remember her name, but <laughs> they can be their their thing. And then, you know, the 40-somethings, yes, Eliza like and it. Diana and Maggie. We love them. Yes, because life doesn't end when you turn 40, like this <laughs> show like wants you to believe. <laughs> Although I will say something I really appreciate about this is trying to go back into the workforce after you've been at home with children, regardless of age, like you do feel like such a noob. And in fact, I'm pretty sure I messaged Kelsey once and I'm like, I don't know how to look for jobs. Do I look on Indeed? What's Indeed? You know, and she talked me through it. So it is intimidating. I do appreciate this representation. And that's, yeah, that's a a great thought. Uh, A great point of view that you can bring to chill Marissa and I out because we don't have that perspective. Yeah, we're like, why is there so much ageism? We don't understand. <laughs> As like 20 somethings, like, who are we to like even be like talking like, like that? We're being so you guys mean are to great her. allies for us 40 year olds. <laughs> That's all I've ever wanted. Thank you. I will just never get over Liza and Kelsey's middle age murder pact from the last episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was just like, I just love She's going that. To poison her insure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't drink insure, you guys. That was Thank going to be my next know. question. Yeah. No, I know. I just wanted to get out ahead of it. You know, when I turn 40, I'm hoping that one of you will um, pull my walker from me and push me down the stairs. I'm Please put me you. out of my misery. Thank you. <laughs> But at that point, I mean, how old will I be? I may not have the strength. Well, no, by 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 that point, you can be lying about your age and say that you're 26. I'll take just my like hair a- out of my bun. <laughs> yes, it's a never-ending cycle. You'll put your hair down, and then you have to be younger than me. That is like the librarian taking off the glasses, and she's hot. It's like take out the bun, and she's 26. Yeah, wild. I like that it's it's so bad because, you know, Liza's definitely like, I look 40 now. <laughs> she like fully <laughs> believes it. Yeah. Bun is up. Scarf is wound tightly around <laughs> her, her neck. neck. What I've is got that a peacoat on. <laughs> my first thought, too, was so strange because my first thought was like, is she hiding a hickey from Josh? But then she like took oh, it off. So, so like that wasn't what was happening. But... That was just such oh, an I want odd that beach to be the reason. Yeah. Critique. <laughs> Critique. <laughs> Should have been the reason. Well, Annette, thank you so much for joining us. This was honestly such a blast. Oh, any time, truly any time. I love hanging out with you both. I love talking about this show. This has been really, really fun. I'm thinking you need to be on at least one every season. Yeah. <laughs> Please. But don't bring me on the sheep episode. I never want to. I swear I'm going to skip that one on my next rewatch. I will only give you, uh, we'll, we'll only assign you to good episodes. <laughs> Thank you. Good content. Um, before you go, we always like to end the podcast with a recommendation for another podcast that could be writing or publishing related, could be po- any, I mean, like anything you want. You're the guest. You can decide. What would you like to plug this week? Um, I listen to a ton of podcasts and one that I've been getting into recently 
um, is called Ruined. And it's because I've been experimenting with engaging with horror as a way to kind of cope with my anxiety. And in Ruined, it's two hosts, one who loves horror movies, one who's terrified and won't watch them. And so they go through and describe horror movies beat by beat to you. And for some reason, having that described to me beat by beat, I find very soothing and entertaining. And it's hosted by two women who are funny and delightful. And yeah, so Ruined is the one that I would like to plug. I like that. That's very interesting. I'm going to have to check it out. Cool. Well, Annette, thank you so much again. Before we say goodbye, can you just let listeners know where to find you out in the internet world? Sure. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Annette MC. So you can find me both of those places. And my website is AnnetteChristie.com. Perfecto. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Now we are closing the book on this episode of Older and Wiser. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OlderWiserCast. As always, feel free to check out the other paginated media podcasts. We have the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast with new episodes streaming every Tuesday. And we also have Crowning Around, which is currently on hiatus, but you can catch up on all things season one of The Crown before it returns this summer. I'm at Marissa Cantor on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Kelsey Rodkey on Twitter and at KRodK on Instagram. And as always, Kelsey and I will be back next week to unpack all things publishing and younger with Season 1, Episode 7, Broke and Pantyless. We'll see you next Wednesday to continue our discussion of all things publishing on Younger. The end. <laughs>